You're listening to Information is the Best Medicine. Glenn Ellis brings you what you need to know to be healthy. He's not a doctor. He just sounds like one. This is Information is the Best Medicine with your host, Glenn Ellis. This program is committed to helping you make good decisions about your health and the health of those you love. And now, here's your host, Glenn Ellis. Now, in our first episode of this podcast, what we're going to do, we're going to take a look at something called dementia. You ever heard of that? Yes, I'm sure you have. There are very few things in health and medicine right now for regular folks that will scare the heebie-jeebies out of them more than dementia. It's touching all of us. It's a disease. You're going to learn so much about it. And I can assure you, most of us at this very moment are being touched by dementia in one way or another. So this is a timely conversation. And I want you to really make sure that you pay close attention because at some point, either you or somebody you care about can benefit from this information on dementia. Hello, everyone. Hi, I'm Glenn Ellis. Yes, I am. Thank you so very much. I'm excited. This is Information is the Best Medicine, the podcast. You know, I've been doing this kind of work for many, many years, and a lot of you have been along for the journey, and I'm grateful for that. Many of you are joining us for the first time, and want to assure you, what we're going to do is offer you some of the best, most credible information from some of the best and most well-informed subject matter experts on the planet. So we're going to make sure you're going to be able to bridge your health and medical care with your own desire to live the best life possible. And I found over the years that this is not the kind of program that's for everybody. You know why? Because most people don't want to live. They're just afraid to die. So this program is dedicated and devoted to all of us who are committed to living the best life possible. So what I want to start by doing, I just want to humanize this because a lot of it, there's so much stigma surrounding dementia. So I want to humanize it. And I want to start by just sharing a few brief experiences of people whose lives are actually touched directly by this disease. You see, these are these are all people just like me and you who one day found out that dementia was like right in their face, one way or another. I want you to listen to what Brother Michael Muhammad has to say about how he has several family members who have been touched by dementia and how his experience has caused him to understand the need for us to really get serious about learning as much as we can about this and being prepared as a community. My full name is Michael Z. Muhammad, and I am an award-winning writer for the Final Call newspaper, a member of the Nation of Islam for 50 years, and totally committed to the betterment of our community. 
that actually is my major focus. And of course, I'm not a doctor. Uh, what I'm talking about is, is anecdotal uh, information from just my experience, of which I've had two and working on a third with my mother, uh, number one, with my brother, and now with my uh, sister-in-law. So mm -hmm. uh, the best thing I'm trying to do with her is she's living with her son and his wife. And I am really trying to educate and support them. Uh, I think number one, uh, the bell needs to be sounded that this is a very serious problem in our community. Uh, I think there are probably many that are isolated without family support that are um, vulnerable and, and being taken advantage of uh, because of their condition. I think they're taken advantage of in some instances by uh, paid caregivers, uh, uh, family members. Uh, you know, one of the crazy things that I found was family members arguing over the loved one's house. Now, they have the individual damn near in the grave. And they're fighting over who's going to get the property. In many instances, the property is run down. You know, some people actually consider something like dementia a curse, right? But I want you to listen to how Raymond Holman Jr. just shared this little excerpt of his experience caring for his father. Uh, my name is Raymond W. Holman Jr. And I am a man. So the first thing I noticed of my father years ago, back in 1997, it was summertime. One, one Saturday or Sunday, my sister, who lived up in Germantown at the time, uh, had a barbecue. And daddy was supposed to come up to uh, my sister, her name is Sharifa's house. He never showed up which was really odd because daddy was always, daddy always did whatever he said he was going to do. He didn't show up. So when I got back to my place um, that evening, I actually called daddy to find out how come he didn't come over to my sister's house. And he said, man, Skip, I was on my way up there, but I couldn't find my way up to her house. So I turned around and came back home. And I said, dad, daddy, that's deep. Because he had been up there before, you know. Now, I knew Daddy didn't drive a whole lot, but it was, I just, you know, I didn't really think anything more about it until maybe two months later, I went over to see Daddy, and um, he told me someone had knocked on his door, uh, a young woman, um, and he thought it was Gigi, one of our um, neighbors from, you know, West Philadelphia. We grew up together. And he opened up the door and let this woman in. He realized it wasn't Gigi. It was someone he didn't know. And she asked him if she could have some water. So daddy being like Big Ray, everybody knew Big Ray, you know, and in that area. Uh, he said, sure, come on in. And he went in the kitchen, got her some water. Uh, she drank the water. And I guess they probably had small conversation for a few minutes. And she left. And then daddy realized that his wallet 
was on the um, coffee table. He checked his wallet. There was no money in his wallet. So we called the police. A police officer came and did a report. And he warned both myself and daddy that she would probably return. And at that point, I said, listen, daddy, you, um, you can't let people in the house you don't know, you know. And I didn't think anything of it again, you know, because big rate. I mean, my father, when he was healthy, he was like 6'4", weight, 225, 250 pounds. Man. You know, nobody's messing with my daddy, you know. She came back, man, about two weeks later. And this time, he opened up the door, but he realized who it was. He tried to close the door. And she pushed the door open, wide open, and he ended up on the floor wrestling. And at that point, I realized there was something going on with my father. It was like real sudden, man. Real daggone sudden. And, um, you know, my brother Dwayne was living with daddy at the time, but I made a decision that I needed to find someone to stay with daddy during the daytime until um, my brother got home at night. And um, that's how the whole thing started, man. Not knowing the direction I was going out, you know, what I was stepping into, because uh, it's all brand new. I knew nothing about dementia or memory loss or Alzheimer's disease. But I just knew that something had changed in daddy. Um, and I needed to you know, really look into it. The next 10 years was sort of hard in a way, too, because I wasn't accustomed to being a caregiver. No one ever warned me about the pitfalls of you know, falling in that role and what happens once the person who you're taking care of um, is no longer around. It's like you have to um, refine yourself. I have a good friend who was a psychologist who told me, she said, Skip, you know, you lost yourself you know, years ago. And she was exactly right. I had to remember how to um, take care of my own self again. I talked to another dear friend of mine, Meg Grant, and I want you to hear how Meg shares with us how she has handled the experience of her mother going into an independent living facility with dementia. I am Meg Grant, um, and I am one of eight children, and I grew up in a big family in uh, right outside of Philadelphia. You know, it's not easy. I always question it. It's just never a, I wish I could just say, you know, this is just the best decision, but it's not. It's not the best decision. We want for our mothers and fathers to have a life that they gave us, right? The joyful young childhood that you you wish your mother could have. It's It doesn't work that way. Wow. Thanks, Meg. One of the biggest areas, I believe, where we have to really, really make a lot of progress is in the research on Alzheimer's and dementia and on clinical trials. I spoke with Dr. Lisa Barnes, one of the nation's leading researchers in this field, about this issue. Let's hear what she had to say. My name is Lisa Barnes. I am a professor and cognitive neuropsychologist at the Rush Alzheimer's Disease Center in Chicago. 
and also the Associate Director of the Rush Alzheimer's Disease Research Center. You can think about dementia as just an umbrella term. You know, uh, it's a general loss of thinking skills and you can have dementia for any number of reasons, right? Alzheimer's disease is a cause of dementia and it specifically refers to the, the, um, the pathology in the brain. So, you know, you if you have what we call amyloid and tau in your brain, then you have Alzheimer's disease. And you could have Alzheimer's dementia. That's just like the clinical syndrome. But unless you have amyloid and tau in your brain, then you would not have Alzheimer's disease. Um, another, another analogy is like you could have a cough, right? Cough is a general symptom that can be caused by any number of things. It could be the flu. It could be, you know, a cold. It could be COVID. So, so dementia is the same way. It's a general term. And then there's vascular dementia, there's Alzheimer's dementia, there's uh, Parkinson's disease, there's Lewy body dementia. All these different diseases can cause dementia. Alzheimer's disease is a specific cause of dementia. And so that's the thing we have to be aware of that it's not hereditary in that sense, you know. So there are some diseases that if, you know, if your relative has it, like Huntington's, for example, if you, if you have that specific gene, you're definitely going to get it. Alzheimer's does not work like that. Your risk might be increased if you have, you know, two parents who had it um, or if you have some, you know, siblings who had it, but it doesn't mean you're definitely going to get it. And it doesn't mean you're going to definitely, because your father had it, that you're going to get it and your son's going to get it. You know, it's really, again, about the particular risk factors that you have um, or your son has that determines whether you're going to get it or not. We don't understand why some people get it and others don't. Um, it seems like, you know, everybody has this accumulation of um, of brain pathology. So I talked about the abnormal proteins. The, the, you know, the, the hallmark features of the disease are amyloid and tau. But we know that, that it's not just those two proteins. Um, there's all these other things that people have going on in the brain as they age. And um, so everyone is having these things happen over time. And it starts early, like 30s, 40s, 50s. You have this accumulation of different um, pathologies. But some people are able to withstand the accumulation of the pathologies. And if we could figure out why, then we could get a cure or, you know, an effective treatment for the disease. You know, there's one thing about dementia that I should make sure we all understand. Nobody gets out alive. Dementia is an end stage, progressively worsening, ultimately fatal disease. But it doesn't have to cause us to be held hostage or to be prisoners to our emotions and deny us the ability to enjoy family, love, life, and fun. But we have to have a different approach about how we come to the death part of ending ending life, right? End of life is a major part of all of our affairs, but dementia adds another layer for considerations. I spoke with Professor Thaddeus Pope in Minnesota about this. Professor Pope is one of the leading authorities in end of life across all disciplines. 
in my opinion. I think he's the best on the planet. But I want you to hear how he kind of gives us some leeway into, or insight, not leeway, it's actually insight into how we can start to look at end of life as dementia comes into the picture. I'm, I'm Thaddeus Pope. I'm a law professor at Mitchell Hamlin School of Law. It, it's not just filling out a form, right? We could go online right now, pull up one of these things. Uh, sometimes you could do it online and then you print it, or, or and then you, you print it and then you sign it. Or sometimes you, you print it and then you fill it out and then you sign it. But anyway, the whole point is we could complete a dementia directive or any advanced directive in about 60 seconds, right? You check some, you check the boxes and then you sign it and you have it witnessed or notarized. But, but as your example, your question really nicely illustrates is, um, A, do you understand what you're asking for here? And B, does your family understand what you're asking for here? And do they understand why you're asking for it? And so you need to have some discussions. Um, do you, I mean, so your son who asked that question, do you understand what stage seven Alzheimer's looks like? Right. I mean, because that's one thing, right? Watch some videos about that. Um, um, and, and so, you know, so you have these discussions about that's what I'm talking about. That's the sort of condition I don't want to live in. And maybe he's like, oh, I thought Alzheimer's was something else. Right. And, and, and obviously some of it is, but not stage seven. It's um, and um, and in, yeah, so absolutely to get because you're going to need them to a bring the advanced directive and b um support this so you're gonna really have yeah you're gonna it's not just filling out a form you're gonna have to have some discussions with the people that you you uh, love and trust i think what really i um there needs to be what i call patient decision aids right so you because like what even with something simple like dnr orders or cpr um, people think they, 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 they see it on TV, right? So somebody codes and they bring, and they, and they come in and they press on their chest and now they're, they're better. Right. So when you ask people to consent to a DNR order, people say, no, I, I want CPR because it works. Right. But in the real world, if you're, if you're an inpatient in a hospital, there's only a 2% chance that it's going to work, especially if you're an elderly hospital inpatient, um, and so you you do have to say same thing here, which is you you're thinking of this when we say the word Alzheimer's, we say the word dementia. You're thinking of this. <laughs> I'm talking about something different. You're thinking of stage three, right, where they might forget where their keys are. I'm not talking about forgetting their keys. I'm talking about you're in bed all all day long. You can't talk. You don't recognize your friends and family. You don't, you know, I'm talking about you've lost basically most of your ability to interact or all of your ability to interact with your, with, with the world, right? That's what I'm talking about. Um, and so, yeah, you have, there needs to be a, um, people need to think ahead um, about, about what this actually entails. So you can make an informed choice. Hopefully you can see where we're going with this series on dementia. We're going to get into caregiving. We're going to get into caregiver burnout. We're going to get into all the aspects of it. So you're going to hear more from those voices that you've just experienced and others. I've got this thing together. So I want you to stay tuned. I want you to feel free to go back and listen to this and really kind of get this information because it's going to be critical for us to understand that 
as we move forward, we have to be prepared. This is not an old people thing. The youngest person to be diagnosed with Alzheimer's was 19 years old. So we got to really get this thing together. So I want you to really share this with the people who you care about so we can all be better prepared. I feel compelled. I just want to leave one last comment from Brother Michael Muhammad. I think this is important to understand why information is the best medicine. But like I say, we definitely need to sound the bell and we definitely need to make folks aware that this is a, a, a serious issue in our community that needs to be uh, addressed. Well, that's all we're going to do for today. But there are several parts to this series on dementia. So I want you to make sure you share this information with the people around you and your network and your community and your family. So until then, please take good care of yourself and live the best life possible. I'm Glenn Ellis for Information is the Best Medicine. Take it away, Mr. Bill. Information is the Best Medicine with Glenn Ellis is a Strategies for Wellbeing LLC production, hosted and executive produced by Glenn Ellis. Original theme music, Best Life Possible, written by John Mitchell Caldwell and Glenn Ellis, from Infotainment's Timeless Masterpiece CD. Research producer, Rod McCollum. Production location photography by Raymond Holman Jr. Photography. Produced and distributed by Audavita. For Audavita, David Wolf, executive producer. Erica Yoakum, executive in charge of production and operations. Sean Hedinger, audio, post production, engineering, and editing. Jay Spang, video, post production, supervision. You can find today's episode at glennellis.com, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to follow Glenn on social media for more good health information. Thank you for your support. Single little voice that worked harder than me. A legend in the game made a name up in the streets. Showed the whole world you've seen him on TV. But committed suicide because his pain was too deep. We all feel the weight sometimes life can be.